KRXO FM and KRXO HD Oklahoma City. KRXO Claremore Tulsa, a product of Tyler Media, reaching over 1 million Oklahomans every week. Now, TotallyTickets.com presents the Franchise Oklahoma City Thunder First Take Postgame Show on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. What's up, my lovelies? We're back. Because the Thunder play tonight, so it's uh, it's our job to do the First Take Thunder postgame show. And what you know it, the Thunder continued winning. They followed up that exciting win over the Spurs Wednesday night at Chesapeake Energy Arena thanks to Shea Gillis Alexander's 42 points, uh, career high. And then, of course, the Lou Dort buzzer beating three to beat the Spurs. They followed that up with telling Trey Young, hey, Sorry, we know you're from here, but it doesn't matter. The Oklahoma City Thunder beat the Atlanta Hawks 118-109, to following quite a performance from about every single player on this Thunder team. This was about as well-played of a game offensively, and we'll get into like defense and all that, of course, but everybody just cares about points. This is about as well-played of a game from about everybody uh, considered, even guys off the bench, just incredible uh, for Oklahoma City, but again, they are playing the Atlanta Hawks, and uh, sorry. Uh, but first of many apologies for our good producer, uh, Ryan Chapman, noted Atlanta Hawks fan, uh, but we'll get to you in a second, Ryan. Also joined by Miss Christine Butterfield, I'm Brady Trantham, and Christine, I'm going to start with you because Ryan is um, letting him gather his emotions and his thoughts. Um, you know, 42 points for SGA the other night. Everybody's kind of talking the last you know two days, last 48 hours. Okay, is SGA going to... Is he going to turn the corner and start doing this a lot more frequently? I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know if you want to expect forty points or thirty-five points, but I mean, tonight SGA with twenty-four points, nine of sixteen from the floor, four assists, five rebounds, three of five from the three-point line, uh, was aggressive when he needed to be. But like the story for me tonight is just Lou Dort nineteen points, Darius Baisley eighteen yeah. points, Teo. Mm-hmm. Maldon, 13 points, and your favorite player, Kendrick Williams, with 15 points. Just an incredible effort from everybody. Absolutely. I mean, the whole question of, oh, you know, Shea Gildas-Alexander has this amazing 42-point game. Is he now going to be putting up, like, numbers in the 30s? I think that's a bit of an exaggeration when you think about how consistent he's been in the 20-point range all season. Obviously, you're going to have players have, like, an out, like, a big night every so often, and Shea definitely played well against the San Antonio Spurs. But he's been playing well all season, and that was just an incredible night for him. But that doesn't automatically mean, you know, you're going to get to that 35 range now that he had this wild night, you know. So I really think that the win, like you said, Brady, was attributed to Lou Dort scoring 19 points tonight. Someone who we've kind of talked about sometimes isn't the best at noticing when he shouldn't shoot the three ball. Again, and Darius Baisley, we've been hard on him all season too. And tonight he had a lot of great plays and a couple of really aggressive and athletic dunks that were just good to see that he's finally gotten his confidence back there. And again, the bench also showed up tonight besides probably Justin Jackson, but I'm sure we'll get into that later. Kendrick, Ken Rich, excuse me, Ryan Williams, actually put some respect on Mister Hustle's name. I'm I'm doing my best. He he played better than I've seen him play basically this entire season. It's tonight. a great week for Kansas State basketball, isn't it? <laughs> I'm sure my mother is clapping somewhere. Happy um, Wildcat noises. <laughs> <laughs> what are Wildcat noises? I don't even know. Uh, have you ever been to a game at Kansas State? 
No. Yeah, whatever it is, it, it's the sound of Long Kruger losing. Uh, that, that, but also just <laughs> any, Lincoln Riley. anytime the football yeah. team gets a first down, uh, you'll know. Okay. Ra ra ra. We've spent Ew. too much time on Kansas State now. Kendrick Williams, if you don't, if y'all don't know, played at Kansas State. There we go. He played at TCU, didn't he? Oh, or TCU or whatever. It's purple. They're purple. It's not to say. Yeah. So, whatever. I was anyway. Very confused. I mean, the bench showed up. All I mean, this is kind of what happens when the Thunder team actually has people contributing besides SGA. We're seeing it again tonight. When they're able to have multiple players going into double digits, you're going to see them win games. When they don't make threes and they don't, and they don't have more than one player or more than two players scoring in double digits, they're probably going to lose. So I thought it was a really good showing by them tonight, especially um, how they were able to limit Trey Young's um, offensive abilities. Well, Ryan... Monday night, I think it was after the the Heat game, where the Thunder controlled that game. I think for the f- basically four minute mark of the third quarter, Oklahoma City had that game somewhat under control, and then the wheels just kind of came off. And then we do the post game show, and we kind of look at like the damage. And one of the things that we step on is, oh, Lou Dort shot a ton of shots and did not shoot very well, and uh, pretty much the entire season. You know, he, he shot well above any expectations from, I guess, normal people. Uh, but I think we've all kind of understood eh, that's going to fall back down to earth, and it has over the last month or so. But you were very uh, adamant that that just cannot happen now, even in a season with low expectations for the team. Uh, but since then, Lou Dort has been incredible. So uh, I, I know your team lost, so I'm not going to dog you that much. But, I mean, it's an NBA season. When we talk about these things after the fact, you know, every every other night, we're going to say things that aren't going to age well in the short term. I get what you're saying, but uh, are you at all turning just a little bit because of the buzzer beating shot and because of tonight? Or are you still like, eh, Lou Dort, uh, stick around the eight to eleven shot attempts a game? No, like I, I firmly believe that ten is like the goal. Getting ten shots a night, great. Anything more than that, and you're going into shaky territory. Obviously, the last two games, Lou Dort has shot the three ball really well. But what we've seen over this season is he'll do that for two or three games, and then he'll just fall off the face of the earth for the next two weeks and that's just what he has to work on is that consistency because we saw guys through how many games was it 10 games almost that he was shooting um in the low 40s at the start of the year so so that's a sign that Lou Dort can consistently do that he just has to prove that he he can do that over a a 72 game grind an 82 game grind so a, a night like tonight Lou Dort shoots 14 shots which is above what I would like him to shoot but he shot the ball really well from deep. When you shoot four or nine from deep, that's going to paper over anything as far as me saying, hey, you probably shouldn't be shooting that much. And, and also tonight, Lou Dort was getting those shots, and he was wide-ass open in the flow of the offense. So I'm a little more prone on a night like tonight, even if he shoots six of 14, which is not ostensibly a great percentage, but he shot well from deep because he was like he's shooting open shots. So that's what we were so critical of Andre Robertson, uh you know, when he was here playing in that spot of defensive stopper uh with the starters is that he would be wide open and it was as a design cuz other teams knew he just was not going to shoot the ball. So Lou Dort throwing those shots up there and when he has nights like this it forces teams to guard him, but I was really pleased honestly with the Thunder and how they withstood that early onslaught from Atlanta and then they realized okay, uh, this is an Atlanta team down Cam Reddish, down DeAndre Hunter, which means that those are the like two 
actual decent defenders that are in the you know main rotation for the Hawks. Once you get past that, like John Collins, I love him. He's my favorite player in the league. He is a garbage can defender. Trey Young, I do not love him. He is a garbage like he is worse than bad defender. So the uh, the Thunder realized okay after that first quarter, they, I I thought they actively thought their way through this game and, and just dissected what is left of the Hawks defense. And so I was really pleased with that. And, and guys, I don't know if we want to get into it now or save it for later, but I thought a big part of that was we talked about Hamdou Diallo missing at least two games. What is the second unit going to do? Well, we saw the answer and that was Ty Jerome coming back from the G league bubble. And he was electric dishing out the ball. And I think it's no secret that um, Kendrick Williams played alongside drum a lot tonight he played alongside a guy that was looking to dish the ball out, and Kendrick Williams returned to that form that we saw when he had that really hot streak in, in the starting lineup alongside uh, Tao. Yeah, there's few storylines from this game, uh, and I was actually trying to decide, should we talk about Ty Jerome, or should we talk about the jerseys? Because that's probably the big thing that people are going to remember from this game. Oh, we have to talk about the jerseys. Okay, so we'll, we'll save Ty Jerome, who had uh, seven assists in his Thunder debut tonight. He had six assists in the first half. He was, uh, and I think even in the majority of the first quarter, he gobbled up a bunch of assists when he actually made his initial appearance. We'll talk about him in the next segment. But yeah, Christine, Ryan, you guys were actually in the arena, so I can only imagine how, uh, all the way up from press row, how hard it might have been to discern between the uh, the red and yellow Hawks jerseys and the, the they called them Sunset, they're orange. The orange <laughs> and blue jerseys for Oklahoma City. Right. Um, w- what the hell was that? I have no idea. It was an assault of the eyes. It was. And the thing was, like, Ryan and I were sitting next to each other in uh, press row, whatever. And I was just doing something on my computer, getting my prep ready for the game. And then Ryan next to me just says, oh, my gosh, you got to be kidding me. And I kind of look up like, what, what? And then I see both of the teams, like, you know, in the center of the court and you can't really see the difference. Like, you can barely see the difference besides, you know, there's Thunder players with the blue tights and the blue headbands and then the yellow stripes on the Atlanta Hawks jersey. Those were really your only two factors that you could tell these two teams apart because from up there, the colors are super similar. And even when you're on the floor, I'm sure that that's really confusing to a lot of those players because, like, you think you see a color. You're like, oh, wait, no, but maybe? So I have no idea how the Atlanta Hawks just didn't bring the right uniform. And I don't know how it just wasn't even benounced to anyone. How are we going to put this on the Atlanta Hawks? The Thunder are at home with all the uniforms in the world that you need. I was getting there. Okay, listen, I was going to say I didn't know how they both didn't know that one of them should have changed. The the Thunder want you to know. They really want you to know that, oh, this is the Hawks' fault. Like they, They released two statements... Uh, at halftime, explaining why they were going to switch their jerseys to white, which, uh, Christine, did you say this is the first time in NBA history this has been done? I didn't say, but it is. <laughs> this is, isn't it? I can't, I don't, I'm sure there was something that happened in the 50s. That's, well, this, that is the statistic that, uh, I don't know. Are, are we allowed to say our, our friend Royce Young put oh, out yeah. there on the Twitter machine? Is, is we're human in, beings. In, in his article, he put out there, it's, it's, uh, the first time in NBA history. Wow. So, the Thunder making history again, I so guess. So, the real winners of this were everyone watching, because those Sunset jerseys are awful anyway. And they're so, bad. Quote-unquote like, Sunset. If they're not orange. If you're going to do Sunset jerseys, you should do what Utah does and have a gradient. 
instead like just Phoenix say that Suns it's orange. with their yeah and, with their and, sunset in the black. Yeah, Phoenix has one this year as well, but instead they just want they can't call it orange because they're scared to step on OU fans. Which like guys, you're a professional franchise. You operate outside of the realm of. OU, OSU, that stuff. If you want orange jerseys, just say you want orange jerseys. Or they should have just chosen a color that has nothing to do with red or orange. See, the problem is... It's thunder. It doesn't have a color. Yeah, they they just stick so close to their color scheme all the time. And I'm like, you can venture out just a little bit. So I think we're going to psychoanalyze this. But I I think that, you know, Oklahoma's... Aren't Oklahoma State colors technically red and green? So you can't do the red because if you want to, you know, step away from doing the OU OSU thing. So red and orange are out. Green, the other state color, you can't do that because the Supersonics were green and, and you were just going to get eviscerated. So I guess they're like the Oklahoma flag is blue. We could be blue, but they should have just gone with purple. Like that's the iconic images of lightning are mm-hmm. purple. Going purple and black. Can you imagine the like thunder bolts and things like that that we could have had. You could have thrown yellow, yellow in as an accent. Yeah, I was yeah. Say, you could put some yellow in there. So you guys are advocating for purple and gold in the NBA. Yes. <laughs> sure. No, I purple Wait and black. Minute. Purple and black with gold accents. That's what makes it different. Hey, purple's my favorite color. So It's a very good color. Uh, that has been your jersey talk, but again, that was the big story from this game because it is a game between the Thunder and the Hawks, so nationally, globally, people aren't that interested. Trey Young did not have a good game whatsoever. Uh, it's funny how Trey Young, inside the state of Oklahoma, forces up a ton of shots and it results in losing basketball. Where have we seen this except at Norman North and at Oklahoma and now? Oh, oh, my bad. Oh, yeah, I guess the... Yeah, I mean, 17 points for Trey Young in his uh, return home, uh, thanks in large part to Lou Dort's defense, hampered him all all first half. Shea Gilles Alexander even had some time on him as well. But it was just one of those things where it's kind of the opposite of the Lou Dort thing, Ryan, uh, where it's you kind of have to you have this kind of thing that just goes from game to game with him. If you're hitting it early, which Lou Dort was, like he was wide open on the left elbow, like Atlanta just left him there two or three straight possessions, and he took all those shots and hit them. And if you're going to hit shots early, then by all means, keep shooting. Trey Young, on the other hand, just was deciding, I'm going to just jack up shot after shot after shot because I'm an all-star snub. I got snubbed again when Kevin Durant's sitting out. I'm back home. It just it didn't matter. So not a good look for Trey Young. Gotta say, though, thank God we have Ryan Chapman here to just talk about how he's been the same since high school. I mean, it's true. I mean, it's kind. Of, it's kind of funny because there's a lot of people where you're like, "Oh wow, like they haven't changed since high school." But Trey Young is on a national stage, and we're here saying he hasn't changed since high school. I, just a quick question for you guys, just a thought exercise: How many championships did Trey Young win in high school? Well, I wouldn't know. So it's zero. Got it. In college, did he win anything? Uh, no. They were number four once early in the season, and they were awful. And now in the NBA, the Hawks are the Hawks still. So just. Throwing it out there. Maybe are we we doing trends? Are we allowed to be nerds and do trends or No, nerds have, have ruined to, basketball, yeah. unfortunately. So we can't do that. You're right, my fault. LeBron didn't win a championship in college, just you know, wanted to point that out there as well to be fair. To be on the on the fair side. It's fair. Uh real quick before we get to the Thunder player of the game, guys, just wanted to put this out there. Uh this is coming from the Thunder's uh PR account on Twitter. Uh Teo Maladon tied a Thunder rookie record with twelve assists tonight. I wonder who he tied. That is, of course, <gasps> Samaj Kristen. No, I'm just kidding. It's Russell Westbrook. <laughs> there you go. Russell Westbrook, man. So Te- Teo Maldon, again, like every every player except for Justin Jackson had a good game tonight. Like if you just three or four of these guys, 
if they have games like this, it's going to be hard for anybody to beat Oklahoma City because uh, when SGA gives you what he can give you, and then Lou and Darius can do all this. I'm like, yeah, there's you see the talent, you see the excitement, but uh, that's going to make it all the much harder and more interesting for this segment, Thunder Player of the Game. Now, the franchise Thunder Player of the Game, brought to you by Volkswagen of Edmond. I really want to say Kenrich Williams because I don't know if we're ever going to have a realistic <laughs> chance to say Kenrich Williams for the Thunder player of the game. So I'm going to go ahead and do it. 15 points on 7 of 9 shooting. Took three three-pointers, which is, ah, I don't know, but he hit scary. one. Of, it's he, scary. He hit one of them. So, like, it was just falling for him. 15 points, like I said, two assists, two rebounds, 25 minutes. I, I know I'm wrong. I'm just never going to be able to say it. So Kenrich Williams is my Thunder player of the game. I'm glad you did because I didn't want to, but I thought he deserved it. So now that it's already out there in the ether. Look, if picking Kenner Williams is wrong, this show doesn't want to be right. right. There you go. <laughs> I mean, true. I, I'm kind of tossing between Teo and Darius Baisley, but I think Teo had a really good night tonight. He was dishing the ball out really well, making sure the offense was continuing to move at a great pace. And... He was very creative, and even though he was 2-6 from behind the arc, he shot the ball well, and he had 13 points, but 12 assists. That shows you that he's really taking command of this offense, especially when SGA isn't in. So you have to give it to him. He's really making sure that he's making his presence known and that he can get all of these guys involved in the offense. And it showed in um, all the points that you saw. He was in charge of that offense when SGA wasn't in. So I kind of want to give it to Teo Maladon tonight. I thought, I thought for this rookie season... This is a pretty good showing for tonight. Yeah, I'd like to give an honorable mention out to a guy we're going to talk about a little bit later in Mr. Ty Jerome. But my player of the game tonight is Mr. Lugens Dort. Not only, like we said, he, he was second on the team in points, 19 points, 6 of 14. He shot a little much for me, but like we said, if you're going to shoot 4 of 9, go for it, my friend. But also... Trey Young, 7 of 21, 17 points. This Hawks team missing Reddish, missing Hunter. They cannot win games unless Trey Young and John Collins are both going for 25 or more. Like, it's just not going to happen. Uh, this Hawks team in the month of February is the 27th uh, best defense in the league. That's real bad with like a <laughs> defensive rating of like 117 or something. Like, they've just been the yes. red full. Um, I'm down a few starters, so it's like they, they were just an average middling defense anyway. Missing those guys, they gotta have big offensive performances. They're gonna have to outscore you, and when you have Lou Dort on the floor, makes that job a whole lot harder. It's the more disappointing uh, return tonight, Trey Young or Danilo Gallinari. Oh, Danilo Gallinari, because you actually have expectations. He's a good basketball player and all he, around, and he just destroyed every three point record Atlanta had for a single game. Yeah, he, yeah. I guess night. he he just decided that he was going to hate Boston, get it all out, and then just be mad. That's easy to do. Yeah, no one likes Boston, especially here, unless you're from there. Oh, I feel so In which bad. case, I would say thank you for listening to the First Take Thunder post-game show. That's Christine Butterfield, CB on Sports. Ryan Noted Chapman. Celtics fan, by the way. Noted Celtics fan. Uh, Radio's Ryan on Twitter. Brady Trantham here at Brady Does Sports on Twitter. Once again, the Thunder defeat the Atlanta Hawks, 118-109. to We've got more stuff coming up. We're going to talk Ty Jerome. We're going to talk Darius Baisley, who just decided I'm going to be in the slam dunk contest tonight. And then, of course, Ryan's going to take us around the association. All that more here on 107.7 The Franchise. Welcome back to the Oklahoma City Thunder First Take Thunder postgame show presented by TotallyTickets.com on 107.7 The Franchise and 107.9 The Franchise Tulsa. 
after getting outscored 33 to 31 in the first quarter and you're playing the Atlanta Hawks for Oklahoma City thinking uh-oh here comes the points here come all the shots well after getting outscored 33 to 31 in the first quarter like I said Oklahoma City just took it to the Atlanta Hawks defeating the Eastern Conference foe 118 to 109 thanks in large part to everybody wearing an Oklahoma City uniform and that includes both orange or white uh, everybody except for Justin Jackson, we ain't here to talk about you, my good friend. Shea Gillis Alexander, 24 points. Lou Dort, 19. Darius Baisley, 18 and 12. Teo Maldon, 13 points. And a franchise rookie assist record for a single game, tying Russell Westbrook, 12 assists. Kenneth Williams with 15 points off the bench. Mike Muscala, 10 points. Ty Jerome, 9 points and 7 assists. And that's where we're going to start with Mr. Ty Jerome making his Thunder debut. He, of course, was a part of the Chris Paul trade from Phoenix. He was a rookie last year with the Suns, had a played sparingly, you know, in spurts, was okay, mid-range uh, type point guard, half-court point guard. Uh, if you remember him from college, he actually played, and I believe he, did he beat OU, Ryan? Was yes. He, he was on the national title Virginia squad, but he was also on the Virginia squad that uh, lost to the 16 seeds. So, Oops! Well, I mean, best of both worlds. So shout out to Ty Jerome. But tonight, uh, finally playing for the Thunder, he had been dealing with an ankle injury all season long up until the G League started a few weeks ago. He was down with the Blue in Orlando. He just got recalled uh, the other day. And so now, you're thinking, all right, cool, you get to see the guy who basketball reference nicknames Milk. Mr. Ty Jerome. And then he just goes out there, has nine points, seven assists, five rebounds, and Christine just looked just looked like he had been obviously practicing with this team for a long time, but just looked like he hadn't missed the entire season. Just looked like, oh yeah, this is my job. And I know how to play with these with these guys, can play at a high level. And now with Teo Maladon getting all this, you know, all these added minutes because George Hill has been out for about a month and a half. I mean, the Thunder appear to have quite a stable of very talented point guards that can, you know, you can either have full court with Shea Gillis-Alexander or half court with Teo Maladon and Ty Jerome. Yeah, it's not looking too shabby, which is surprising. I mean, I think there was a bunch of question marks going into tonight with Ty Jerome, and he answered them all by saying, I belong here. And he proved that with, you know, obviously all his assists showing that he knows how to play with this team. He knows what the chemistry is like and knows where he fits in. And shooting four or seven from the floor, that's pretty good shot selection too. So he knows what he needs to do, where he needs to shoot, and can clearly feel comfortable making those shots. And I feel like when players are brought up from the G League, you see one of two things happen. Either the stage is too big for them and they're not used to playing against as athletic players from the G League into the NBA, or you see things happen like we saw with Lou Dort last season where they have been preparing for this moment. They've been practicing with the team and they know that they're confident and then they go out and they surprise a lot of people. And I thought Ty Jerome just looked like he was one of the Oklahoma City Thunder tonight. I mean, Brian, were you at all surprised how just calm and casual he looked? Because, I, I mean, when, when a player misses that much time and then is playing with G League players, you kind of expect some, you know, feeling around muscle memory, just... Uh, I mean, maybe our expectations were so low because I was actually excited to see him play for Oklahoma City when the trade went down back in the offseason. But having said all that, I'm like, wow, what is, where is this? Well, hell, Brady, we've seen with the Alexei Pokashevsky experience a guy that played, didn't really miss any time for injury other than the little concussion blip 
played NBA basketball, went down to the G League where the speed of play should be a little bit slower, where the guys aren't as good, and he had an adjustment period as far as adjusting to playing G League basketball. So, like you said, Brady, reverse all of that. You have a guy coming off an injury, playing G League ball, then coming up to the NBA. It was really impressive. And and I thought where it was most evident, I, I think immediately he came in and made an impact running the break. And the, the fast break with this Oklahoma City Thunder team on the second unit has been iffy at times just because, I don't know, it's guys that are like, looking for that extra pass when it's not necessary, like in the fast break situation. There was even one of those tonight where I think it was um, maybe Kenrich Williams dished it to Roby in the in the dunker spot along the baseline there who was like, I do not want this. I've now over-pursued. And, and he was able to find a tie to, for a little just floater from the restricted area. And I just thought that he, he was calm, cool, collected. The game didn't look like it was too fast for him. And I was sitting here thinking, man, I really want to see what Hamadou Diallo will look like on the second unit now that he'll um, once again have a a real distributor of the basketball because that'll help Hami out. I'm really interested to see what a... Because you can even extrapolate it to almost a three-guard-esque lineup. Like That could become the identity of the Thunder once you move into... George Hill coming back to the lineup because you're thinking about Shea, Hill, and Dort, and then all of a sudden the second unit coming at you could be Maladon, Jerome, and Diallo. Like I think that it could be really dynamic and tough for most teams. They don't have guys on the second unit that have the experience like Maladon or Jerome, like obviously one game sample size, but that's what we do here. Like If this continues, that, that could be a, a really interesting unit, and, and the Thunder could have stumbled into basically what their identity could be going forward. Well, really quick, it's probably important to note that it, it probably helps that you're playing the Atlanta Hawks for your first game. Yes, uh, it absolutely helps. Yeah, just I mean, just from a defensive standpoint, I mean, the, the Hawks present a challenge because you have to keep up with their scoring when the shots are falling. And for the most part, the shots fall because they are one of the better shooting teams in the NBA. Although, Ryan, you did tell me defensively for February, they have gone from a middle of the pack, you know, nothing to you know laugh at defensive squad to, oh my God, they're... Terrible. It's really hard to watch. There were just some plays by Trey Young that were just laughable. Some, just some. I mean, I was being uh, polite, I guess, but I mean, some of them were just—I mean, a lot of them were just laughable. Where he would just run at people with no deceleration, obviously wouldn't chop his feet, and then a quick pump fake, and he was just in the opposite side of the floor. He was trying to do those cute, like, like those subtle, super quick. Uh, layups to just to make to overcompensate for Lou Dort's defense like trailing mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. and it never worked no. and you know Trey not getting those layups to fall early I mean he finished with 17 points the former Oklahoma Sooner Trey Young uh, him not getting those early shots to fall just really I mean all the momentum all that all the adrenaline Atlanta had on Oklahoma City early and especially it was just all considering John Collins was everywhere because the Thunder you know having Isaiah Roby no Al Horford tonight for the first night of a back-to-back um, just having Isaiah Roby, John Collins just feasted. And I think at one point, the Hawks were out-rebounding Oklahoma City 17-3 uh, to late in the first quarter. It was ugly. Uh, that, of course, you know, Atlanta won the rebounding battle. But Oklahoma City had 60 points in the paint. And it just whatever was working for Atlanta early, because Trey Young couldn't hit shots, they just weren't able to sustain it. It was that simple. Yeah, and uh, really tough. 
assignment. Like, I'm really pleased with what Baisley did. And if you look at the box score with Roby, you might say, oh, well, he didn't play so hot. I, like, I'm incredibly happy with both Baisley and Roby's performances because with no Al Horford going up against Collins and Capella, like, Capella, like, even without Horford, there's just not a body on this roster that can match up with what he's meant to do on the offensive boards. Capella ends up with 21 boards. But uh, other than that, uh, I thought that they did a really Really good job down low. Roby picked up a bunch of fouls, but that, that's what's going to happen when you're a little bit undersized playing up against bodies like that. So uh, great defensive performance, yeah, from, from the Thunder after they adjusted in that first quarter. Can I be super hyper, hyperbolic after one Ty Jerome game? <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, because sure. this was my initial thought when this trade went down. Uh, I wanted Sam Presti to try and go after as many not talented point guards because ideally if you're a GM, you'd love to go get a bunch of talented young players, but you have to get what you can get. And Ty Jerome fits the bill of young point guard. Um, does he, is he talented? Of course he's in the NBA, but he's not exactly a guy that we would deem like that is a talented young prospect to, to keep an eye on. Um, maybe some of that was just because he played for the Phoenix suns last year. I mean, who knows, but he's just not that type of player. But my whole thing was, we saw what the three-guard lineup did with SGA last year with Dennis Schroeder and Chris Paul. Now, you're not going to find another Chris Paul, and you're not going to find another Dennis Schroeder. But if you go after as many point guards as Sam Presti was able to gobble up, you know, drafting Teo Maldon, getting Ty Jerome, I would assume that that's the, that's the goal, is to try and find something with SGA where he can have other point guards on the floor, because we saw how great it was. And if you hit on one of these kids, you know, whether it's Teo Maldon or Ty Jerome or Health, if it's both... It makes it that much easier for Oklahoma City to decide and target who they need to go after in these upcoming drafts because if they don't have another point guard they feel strongly about in the future, and I think at this point they probably feel strongly strongly about Teo and who knows with Ty Jerome, but if they don't feel strong, then you could see them drafting two or three point guards in the next two or three drafts, and that's when you kind of get into the old Detroit Lions thing where they were just drafting receivers just to find somebody. Like I, I like what Sam Presti did, and after one Ty Jerome game, guess what? They don't need to draft Kate Cunningham. Don't worry about it, guys. Yeah, you know, you bring up an interesting point that with SGA, you want to make sure that he has really creative and comfortable people around him that they can maintain this fast-moving offense, maintain their shooting ability moving forward. And with Teo Maladon, as he's getting more minutes and getting more time, he's proving that he can make the most of that. And when he's put into this offense more and more, he can be more creative. He has great field vision and he's just able to really make something out of nothing sometimes. And that's exactly what you want. And Ty Jerome also proved to be that he's very confident, very comfortable with the guys he's playing with and has a lot of good chemistry. So when you have that security with Teo Maladon, possibly Ty Jerome, again, a small sample size, but possibly Ty Jerome, then you can you can shift your focus to the NBA draft being like, okay, well, we don't really need more really quick athletic point guards or like really good ball handlers because Oklahoma City does have a size problem and it's obvious when Al Horford's not there. But even when he is there, sometimes it's difficult for someone like him to play at that level yeah, when he's, he's getting he's older. A, he's not a classic big by any means. No. And so they're able to shift their focus to that's the one place in their game that they're really missing is a very big confident center and they're probably going to be looking to do that if they're continuing to look as effective on offense as they are right now well the way the nba is though if you don't land like a top three pick and go after mobley the the big at usc like you can always find 
Like what this team is missing, and I fully believe that they would have it if they were trying to be a playoff team as the roster is being constructed, is that they're just missing a guy like Nerlens Noel, honestly, to, to throw in there, not asked to be a huge part of the offense. In today's NBA, you're always going to be able to go onto the free agency trash heap and sign a body like that to throw in there and just be that dude. So I don't even think they necessarily have to target that unless they fully like just see a guy that they believe in like i understand why this was the philosophy for the thunder for a while which was you know lengthy can play defense hit threes because because that's the team that they needed it for you needed to put guys around kevin durant westbrook paul george you know all of that stuff this it's a new era of thunder basketball they can build the team differently and like you were saying brady i, I just like to see them take a few flyers on guys that maybe don't fit the size profile who can just ball, who are just creators, who, who can make the guys around them better because I feel like you need one or two of those guys. And then from there, you can then go back to filling out the rest of your roster with, with your size needs. So uh, that's kind of what I'm excited for. And that's what makes the next few years so interesting because for the first time in a while, Sam Presti doesn't have to just go, all right, let's find a, you know, a Darius Baisley that's, you know, really long and athletic. Let's find a, a uh, Terrence Ferguson and hope we can teach him to play basketball later. Yeah, I mean, there was there was one play uh, in the third quarter, I believe, and spoiler alert, Teo actually missed the layup, but he split the defenders in such a way that I'm like, I've, I'm already excited for him. I've already been uh, pleasantly surprised with his play, even though I had some expectations. I mean, consider, compared to Ty Jerome, I had some expectations for Teo Maladon, and he's, he's exceeded them and exceeded them consistently. So the Thunder have something with him, and I'm not saying that they don't need to be drafting any more point guards. But, He's the next Tony Parker, Brady. But get, get on board or get off now. You're just increasing your margin for error in these drafts by eliminating the types of players, the types of roles that you need to go find. Because I think you're exactly right. But I was actually asking Matt Burton uh, this question during the game, which shout out to him. His birthday was last night. He has a much-deserved uh, game post-game off. So happy birthday, Mr. Matt Burton. Uh, but... If Danilo Gallinari's on this team, guys, like if he's just still on Oklahoma City, is this a legitimate playoff team? Just forget mm-hmm. the future. Like just on a pure, purely talent standpoint. Because the big thing is Darius Baisley comes off the bench in that scenario. And all the the responsibility that we've said is maybe a little unfair for him at this stage in his career, that's that's out the window. And so you maybe you get a better, consistent Darius Baisley, but you also have the shooting of Danel Gallinari, and we saw how good he was last year. But I mean, it, is it that simple? Are they that one player away from being a legitimate eight-seven seed in the in the West? I personally don't think so. You know, I mean, I think Danel Gallinari's good. I think that he'd be fine. I don't. I don't see this really affecting Darius Baisley's game that much. Like, I don't see him being more effective or more consistent, really just coming off the bench like I think he would be slightly better probably without having that pressure and maybe feel like he can be a little bit more maybe creative or just maybe more of a spark but other than that I don't really see it affecting the game that much that they would be then and now they're a playoff team like I think they'd be slightly better but I don't see this being a playoff team situation well I think Gallinari doesn't help your defensive problems anything like that I I, the guy that I think makes them a playoff team right now or at least contending for like truly contending to be a a 10, a 9, and 8 seed is Nerland's Noel because on nights that Horford's not there, Nerland slides into the starting lineup and you feel okay with Roby and Mascala being your, you know, two bigs off the bench um, on in a pinch like that. And, and on nights where you don't have that, 
obviously either you go with Roby or Mascala, whoever needs like athletically, if it's a more athletic team, probably going with Roby. If not, you can throw Mascala out there for Baisley. You've got Durlins to come in and be your second unit guy to just gobble up the boards and provide a little rim protection. Like I think it's as simple as having a, a real traditional center on the roster to give them that flexibility. I mean, New Orleans Noel's on the Knicks, and one year, and they all of a sudden have an all-star, so I think there's something to that. Obviously. He raises the he raises the ceiling. Did New Orleans Noel steal the all-star streak and take it with him? That is a shame. I mean, they're still holding out hope that someone like just says, I'm going to pull Kevin Durant and just sit out, and then, oh, it's SGA's finally made it. Will that count? Mm. Well, Thunder fans will claim that. Oh, yeah. They'll, they'll, claim. They'll, they'll, of course, claim that. Okay, listen. I Do, have are, to. Are there divisional banners hanging in the peak right now? Hmm. Hmm. Yes, Christine. I have to ask Ryan a question real quick. I, this is probably the most we've ever mentioned this name on um, the first Take Thunder post game show. But according to Royce Young, Trace said that he's tweaked his foot in the first quarter, and then his groin in the second half. Oh wow! And will be getting treatment for both tonight. But said that he's going to be healed up by the next game. So Ryan. Is he just being a coward and giving excuses for being defended against Lou Dort? I mean, Hamadou Diallo's out for tonight and tomorrow or tomorrow night because of a groin. So I mean, there's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, but, like, I mean, I don't like. I mean, probably there there is some irritation going on, but more than anything, you know, his pride is hurt. That's what I'm saying. I, I'm not doubting. There's probably maybe a little bit of soreness or whatever, but. To say, be like, oh, I tweaked my foot in the first quarter, and then I pulled my groin in the second half. So, well, I two very different reactions to this. We don't have the context. If Trey Young was asked, Trey, were you yourself tonight? And he said, well, I mean, obviously, no. I kind of if he just my groin. Bring, if he just brings it up when asked about a poor performance, but yeah, that's a different thing. Yeah, it's like yeah. If, if he's asked, are you hurt? Then it, he says that like, hey, you didn't look like yourself. Are you carrying any injuries? I don't mind that comment. If it's like, hey, you had a tough night, what's going on? And he's like, well, my foot, my groin, my back. Yeah. Right. And something else. Yes. There you go. <laughs> we, we've danced around. I, I had hey. no idea that this was going to be the Trey Young animosity post game show, but don't worry. How did you not know this? I should have known because Ryan Chapman's here, Christine Butterfield's here, and I'm Brady Trantham. But I, I mean, I, I, I like Trey Young. We drafted Luka I have Luka nothing Luka. against Trey Young, but the Thunder defeat the Atlanta we Hawks 118. To 108 tonight. Two game winning streak, but the Thunder are back in action tomorrow night in Oklahoma City against the Denver Nuggets. But we've got one more segment. Uh, I already said that we weren't going to talk about Justin Jackson again, so that's why we're not doing Tank Commander of the game because everybody else played great. So no Tank Commander tonight, but we still have around the association. Uh, the Miami Heat had a gigantic win. We're going to talk about that for like the next 30 minutes, but you are listening to 107.7 The Franchise. Welcome back to the Oklahoma City Thunder First Take Thunder postgame show presented by TotallyTickets.com on 107.7 The Franchise and 107.9 The Franchise Tulsa. Oklahoma City just so freaked out. defeats the Atlanta Hawks 118 to 109. Two game winning streak for the Baby Thunder, as Eddie Rodosovich loves to call them. Brady Trantham here alongside Miss Christine Butterfield and the equally beautiful Ryan Chapman. I'm just sad, but I appreciate you. You're Ryan Sadman right now. I, I am the sad man. Nobody knows what it's like to be the sad man. Oh. To be the Chapman. <laughs> I don't. 
Christine, what who what is your favorite NBA team? We it's well documented who you root for in college. Uh huh. I've never said this year, actually. Yeah, so, so who is it? It's the Boston Celtics. Oh, that's what that was about. Yeah. Why? Why? Yeah. I uh, So a while ago, it was like Jason Tatum's rookie years when I started watching or following the NBA, and I really liked the way he played, and so I decided to start following the Celtics, and they were good at that point, and now... Uh, they haven't been doing too hot, but they got to win tonight, which I'm sure we'll get into, and I'm I'm pumped about it. Thank God. Jason Tatum has had some of my favorite performances in recent NBA history, and it had everything to do with the Eastern Conference Finals last year when he was awful. <laughs> Jimmy Buckets, baby, get out of my face. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But don't worry, don't worry. We're gonna stick with Oklahoma State for just a few seconds before Ryan gets us around the association. Uh, Christine. Any any more thoughts about SGA? Because we were almost so bored with it the other uh, night. Not really. You're we almost so bored with the fact that he had 21 points in the third quarter against San Antonio, 42 points overall in that game. And now we're kind of just bored by this 24-point performance. I mean, it's just, you know, getting used to consistency. It's, you know, when people raise your expectations and then they don't exceed the now new expectations and you're kind of like oh okay well that's expected at this point so when SJ puts up 24 points and only four assists like I would expect more from him tonight as far as distribution goes but I, I thought he played fine you know he turned it on when he needed to and he knew when to kind of focus more on the flow of the offense which obviously is um, a good sign that your point guard's doing the right thing for the team but again like you said it was kind of like a casually good night for him Boring. That's all I heard from Christine Ryan was just like, no, I want to see more of those four assists. Trash. Garbage can. Gar- garbage. Can, can of garbage. No, I mean, when Ty Jerome's getting seven assists, Tao Maldon's getting 12. It's just one of those like, nights. Come on. It's just one of those nights. Like, is SGA even competitive? Like, did he not go to the bench and be like, I have well, to have more assists than my understudies? And if not, should we be worried about this? Does he have what it takes to lead a team to the promised land? The real question here is how many potential assists were out there? That's what I want to know. Yeah. I'm sure they were in double digits. Potentially, there were like 100 assists that could have been made tonight. Allegedly. I sure hope so. It would have been a lot more fun to watch tonight. I would probably uh, probably would have enjoyed myself a little bit more. I just think it's weird that the guy leading you know, the galaxy in potential assists couldn't just pass into a uh, bucket last year in the All-Star Skills Challenge. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. How could you forget about that? I've never... I've- I just, love that moment. Just, it was so funny. Just saying. Oh, man. Uh, That's an, why he only has four assists tonight. I mean, he's an in-game passer, so he, he can't. You just can't match the frosty like Russell, in the pass. Just like Russell Westbrook was an in-game dunker, which is why exactly, he never did the yes. dunk contest. Yeah, I mean, he could have put somebody in front of him, like, "Hey, just D me up during the dunk contest, and I'll dunk on you." And that probably would have won. That would be unique. That I would. I would love that. That's what they should do this year. The, it, Lou Russell, Dort, get him on the dunk contest. Dunk on Lou Dort. Should have been Darius Basley. Willard. I want to talk about Darius Basley, but first, Ryan, let's talk about all the scores. This is around the association in memoriam of Matt Burton, who is alive. He's just tired. memoriam. He's just tired. He had a birthday yesterday. Anyway, I'm sorry, he's are in we, remission. I was about to say, are we not going to give Ryan a literally? When I literally said remission and then it was like a thing. No. Nine. Uh, 
guy thing, isn't it? We are not. Okay, Dylan Buckingham and Todd Lisenby's Boston Celtics were victorious tonight, 118 to 112. Kimba went for 32, 3, and 6. Sabonis, 24, 6, and 9 for the Pacers. The Tampa Bay slash Toronto Raptors, 122 to 111 winners over the Houston Rockets. Uh, Kyle Lowry, 20, 11, and 10. Coach Lowry. Did he coach? I hope so. I was not able to watch it, but uh, the Raptors without most of their coaching staff due to contact trace quarantine protocols, I believe that's what it was, correct? That's the only yeah. thing I can imagine that like five of their members of the coaching yeah, they, staff. They just, they just wanted the night off. They're just like, we're out. Start the All-Star break Go early. party with Tom Brady down in Tampa Bay. Exactly. Victor Oladipo, 27, 5, and 4. For the Houston Rockets, the Sacramento Kings, Buddy Buckets, 110 to 107 winners over Jerry's awful Detroit Pistons. Jamie Grant had 30 points, though, seven rebounds and an assist. Aaron Fox, 27, 5 and 6 for Sacktown. Miami Heat, they were winners as well over the hot, 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 hot Utah Jazz. The Heat were hotter, though. Jimmy Butler went if. 33, 10, and 8 mm. for Mr. Buckets. Donovan Mitchell, he tried. He tried. 36 and 3. 30 slash 6 slash 3, by the way. Not 36. The Suns winners over the Chicago Bulls, 106 to 97. Chris Paul with a cool just 14, 6, and 5 doing Chris Paul things. The Clippers put it on the Memphis Grizzlies, 119 to 99. Kawhi Leonard, 30 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists. Kawhi Leonard, that guy's pretty good at basketball. Think so? Thoughts. Is he all-star material? Yes. He's a fun guy. It's a joke. He's absolutely all-star material. How many potential assists does Kawhi have? Can someone get on that? Two. Anyway, game's in progress right now. There's like 28 seconds left before the half. The Warriors are up on the Hornets, 61 to 50. Lamelo leading the way for the Hornets with 12, 5, and 2. And then right now, 2.42 left in the second corner. Still plenty of time. But the Portland Trailblazers and the Lakers, they're locked up in a good one. Trailblazers, 45. Lakers, 43. Lillard's got 20 right now. And LeBron's got 13, 6, and 1. And that's, my friends, Round Association. That was a mouthful. It was. It was indeed. Shout out Miami Heat. Uh, last few minutes of the show... My friends, we haven't really talked that much about Darius Baisley tonight, and it's interesting just because this was by far Darius Baisley's best game in a long time, and not just from a statistical standpoint, from just but just from a standpoint of he looked awesome, just an eye test standpoint. He was getting to the rim, he was dunking, he remembered that he can dunk, he can he remembered that he's rather athletic. Um, he's not played like an athletic basketball player the last two months, it seems like, uh, but yes. He's playing against Atlanta, but the Thunder have played bad defensive teams in this two-month stretch where Darius Baisley's been at best average most nights. Uh, but Christine, I mean, what did, what did you guys see in the arena specifically? Was it just Darius felt himself a little bit early because he had some shots fall and that just kind of wore into the rest of the game for him, or was it simply Atlanta? I think he was feeling himself a little bit. I, this is something we've noticed from Darius Baisley the entire season where if he hits some shots early... His game is immensely better versus if he gets like if he only makes one within the first quarter. Like he is plays so much better when he hits shots earlier because it gives him so much more confidence moving forward versus when he doesn't. He tends to play more conservatively. 
tonight he hit a few shots early, and then he's like, you know what? Maybe uh, you know, against this terrible Atlanta defense, I'll try some dunks. And I mean, they just looked incredible. Like I, I kind of forgot that he could do that because he has been playing kind of, you know. I don't want to say trash. He he hasn't just been aggressively getting to the rim lately. So for him to be able to go up there and show his athleticism and his aggression getting to the rim with those incredible dunks, I was just kind of speechless. I was like, I forgot that he was he could be this good going to the rim. And I remembered all the potential that I thought that he had moving into the season. Potential assists or just potential? Just potential. Okay, thank goodness. Yeah, I, I don't need to get into his potential assist. I don't think that's a relative stat for Darius Baisley. But no, I was I was actually impressed with him tonight. And my my only problem with him is like he needs to not be so like he doesn't he shouldn't care about the first couple of shots that he makes versus when he doesn't. He needs to play this. He needs to play with the same confidence no matter what happens in the first quarter. I would also just say. I hope he gets a second move, Ryan, because I mean his jab step's very good. I mean, for the most part, defenders do bite on it, and he's, you know, he's got a long stride. Uh, he's tall, athletic, quick enough. Uh, but there are times where he gets bogged down on the floor because he just hasn't developed that second move just yet. Um, especially when he's cutting down the baseline tonight, he was able to do something with that a little bit. If he can do that, I think you can expect more offensively out of Darius Baisley. I mean, is it something? Is it that simple, or are you waiting for like like this is just more of the long game where he needs to figure out defense, and that's going to bleed into the offense overall? No, I think adding a few a few more moves, but I really feel like he's so early in his career. Like that's usually an off season thing, right? So right now he's just trying to make that take that step forward so if the thunder want him to focus on defense that makes sense they you know defense is what they want their identity to be then sure you're just going to have to probably wait uh, another off season or two for him to develop those next two or three moves and and not to be the wet blanket here like really great night by Darius Baisley but we need to see him string two or three of these together cuz he's gone yep. out he's had good nights and guys like John Collins is just really bad at defense like there's a reason that the Hawks didn't just say yes you deserve a max contract with his offensive output because his defense is that bad. So, like, yes, great night for Darius Baisley. Um, gr- this is one of those great confidence builders. Cause it's a great matchup for him because he's athletic enough to make John Collins pay for just being a terrible defender. We just need to see him do it more than, like, once every two weeks. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I love Lou Dort. I've been high on Lou Dort ever since I saw him in Summer League, what seems like 12,000 years ago. Uh, but... There should be no reason that Lou Dort is just consistently better night in, night out. Even if you're just talking about numbers, there should be no reason that he is consistently better while Darius Baisley has just struggled. Uh, I mean, I, I brought up the question a few days ago. I can't remember who I was talking to on the radio, Christine, but it seems like he's hit a wall. But like Ryan said, I feel like we, we've seen random good games out of him over the last two months, and then we come on the radio and we're like, all right, let's see it again, and we've just yet to see it consecutively. So hopefully, you know, They've got a back-to-back, so that muscle memory and that adrenaline is still going to be flowing uh, tomorrow night, but you're playing a better team in Denver. Please, Darius Baisley, let's see another double-double. Let's let's feel better about you because I, I love Darius Baisley, and I thank the world of him. Yeah, it's kind of the sim- a similar situation to when we talk about Hamadou Diallo. He has such athleticism and drive, and he you know when he gets to the rim and he's powerful, he can be a great player, but... The biggest problem with Hamadou Diallo is that he's so inconsistent that you can't really, when he has a great night, you're like, oh, this is what you would like to see from Hamadou Diallo. 
And then the next night, he only shoots one shot in 20 minutes. And you're thinking, who, how can it just be so black and white with you? Why is there no consistency? And with Darius Baisley, it's not that, like, it's not that bad. But it's kind of coming to the point where you see an outbreak game. For Darius Baisley, this is, like, a really great game. You see a game like this from him, and you're like, maybe he's turning the corner. Maybe he's getting, you know, out of his rut. Maybe he's going to be better. And then he shows up and he's lackluster the next game. And so for me, I I don't know where to go from here. I don't know how excited I can get about an outbreak game from Darius Baisley. Obviously, they're fun to watch. And it shows that he's, you know, improving in some factor of his game. But it never seems like he's able to take those lessons and take that confidence into whoever they're playing next. And for me... I, I don't I think this is probably going to be an off season fix where he just really needs to f- focus on his you know his game down low maybe focus on shooting more consistently from behind the arc but like Ryan said when Lou Dort is more efficient than Darius Baisley that's kind of an issue because I feel like Darius Baisley had a lot more expectations moving into the season and just based on how they both played people are more high on Lou Dort right now than they are in Darius Baisley but Darius Baisley has immense potential. And that's why we're really hard on him at this point. So hopefully he can, you know, kind of get to a point where he can take this confidence and just continue to grow and continue to get better. But I don't know if I have that faith at this point. Before we get out of here, Ryan, I'm going to give you 22 seconds to just rant about the Hawks. They're so bad. You could have drafted Luka Doncic. You did draft Luka Doncic. What'd you trade him for? Trey Young, who's never won anything at any level because he's an empty calories player. He can average 30 and 10. Uh, every year of his career, and the Hawks will never go nowhere. I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. I feel sorry for Lloyd Pierce. Wow. Wow. Okay. What a time. I love John Collins. This is the flagship station for <laughs> Oklahoma Sooner Athletics. Trey Young uh, played at the University of Oklahoma. I liked watching him play, but hey. Do you enjoy yeah. do you enjoy a lot of big wins with Trey Young as your point guard? Well, then I would say that's a much different conversation. There's a much okay. broader conversation. Okay. Just checking. Yeah, it's almost springtime, so it's time to mow the lawn. Everybody, the Oklahoma City Thunder win once again over the Atlanta Hawks, 118-109. to The Thunder are back in action, like I said, tomorrow night against the Denver Nuggets. Stay tuned. 107.7 The Franchise. We will be back on the air tomorrow night following the Thunder and the Nuggets. So thank you all for listening. Christine Butterfield, thank you. Ryan Chapman, thank you. Happy birthday, Matt Burton. Enjoy your evening. Brady Trantham here signing off. You are listening to 107.7 The Franchise.